0: Let's jump in the Word. I'm excited about this. Um, Go ahead and open your Bibles now to 2 Kings and chapter 2. We'll get there in just a moment, um, and we'll read our text from there. I'm, I'm excited about this series. I like what Pastor Rick said last week, and I used this in the first teaching of the following. You can go to the bookstore and find hundreds of books on leadership, but you can't find one on fellowship or the art of following and we all know you can't be a good leader until you've learned how to be a good follower amen let's just pray before we jump into this lord i love you tonight i thank you that we feel you in the room thank you for the worship the time of worship we had thank you for all that's going on in quest church god we thank you for what you're doing in this house and through your people right now we lift up israel and we ask you to set a hedge of protection there God bring peace to that nation God we pray for our country right now that you would bring peace to us that you'd bring a settling settling to your people and to the people of the United States and God we bring it right home here to Oklahoma and to Quest Church we pray for every family that's connected to Quest God we pray for blessing To be on their households we pray for security around every family around every child around every teenager around every senior member of our family here god we thank you for what you're doing and tonight we ask you to be here be with me help me to teach this word the way you gave it to me with the same conviction that you laid it on my heart i glorify you tonight jesus i give you praise in jesus name we pray amen and amen last week pastor rick left us with five uh five parts to the art of following and if you missed it i want to encourage you to go back on youtube and watch it i watched it as i was on my way home last week and then i also watched it two more times since and i'm telling you there's so much quality word to pull out of that that will help you in your life but those five parts uh to the art of following were stay clean And stay clear. Stay clean and stay clear. Be anointed. Anoint yourself. Amen. Be yourself or be distinguished. Don't try to be somebody else. Be yourself. The way up is down. The law of gravity tells us what goes up must come down. But in the law of the kingdom, what goes down must come up. Right? It's the law of the seed. And the last one was let your gift make room for you don't force it let your gift do the work god gave it to you on purpose god gave it to you for a purpose it will find its place amen all right let's jump into this the motivation that i had for this series um, was birthed out of one of pastor rick's messages recently but it was also birthed out of a conviction from what i see among the body of christ and believers at large um I said this the first week that we don't have a problem following in this culture, in this generation, in this time. We don't have a problem with that. You can go on social media, and that's what everybody's driving for, more followers. So we don't have an issue with following. What we have an issue with is who we're following and how we're following and what that produces in our life. And because of this, what I see is... Uh, a lack of progress or growth among believers i see a lack of progress or growth among believers i see believers church houses full of believers that are easily influenced they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof uh, we, get, we flock into these church houses and we, we experience the good music and the, and the fun teaching and the great media uh, a production that church houses produce now. But what I see is a bunch of uh, people, uh, I'm going to be careful because I'm going to step on a lot of toes tonight. I, I, I meant for this series to be challenging. But what I see is believers that are still not potty trained. They're still walking around with diapers on and drinking bottles of formula. And any time a preacher stands behind a pulpit and delivers a word with the power of the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's, that's kind of deep or meaty. We, we kind of fall away or flake away or zone out or, or daydream or, or walk out thinking, man, that was way over my head. I, I wish he'd make it a little more simple so that I can understand. What I see is Paul admonishing the church of Ephesus in chapter 4 and verse 14 when he says, from now on, let's be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We've allowed this culture to dictate our outlook and our belief systems. Wait a minute, Pastor Josh. This culture had not affected my belief system. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross, rose again, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and I am saved because of it. I believe that, however, we all behave, act, produce, do, live based on our belief systems that are not just that one. That is the cornerstone of our faith. But our life is constructed of many different ideas and outlooks that we have inside. And what we've got to a place now is that we've allowed culture to dictate our outlook and our belief systems. I think my Bible said that we are, of, we are in the world... But we are not of the world, right? I want you to do the study concerning that, 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 that word world. You can go to 2nd, uh, I believe it's 2nd John chapter 2. You can look at it there. You can look at John 17 when Jesus talks about it. it's the same word. Go do the etymology of the word world in the Greek, and you're gonna find this understanding that it means systems. It means systems or the way of the world. The way of the world. That's not our system not of the world we're not of that system that's not how we function it shouldn't influence our outlook or our belief system our system is kingdom not just kingdom but the kingdom of god right the kingdom of god now this sounds basic this sounds basic and it is in all reality it is however the behavior actions vocabulary function uh, outlook production of the church tells me different That this is a problem right now. Because when you preach foundations in churches today, people are blown away like it's some deep revelation that hit them. And in reality, it's a foundational principle of our faith. It's time for the people of God to get away from church, uh, worldly systems and get into the kingdom system. Jesus rose from the dead and stuck around. For 40 days he did this to teach his disciples read it things pertaining to the kingdom things pertaining to the kingdom kingdom every kingdom has a king every kingdom has order every kingdom has a has positions and rank Every kingdom has a dominion or a realm or a boundary or a territory. And the goal of every kingdom in, throughout history, if you study history, is to expand or for there to be expansion. These are the expectations of a kingdom mentality. The kingdom mandate that we have, it's the first mandate that God gave mankind is this. You can find it in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. I'm going somewhere, trust me, just stay with me. The mandate is this, be fruitful and multiply. That's the mandate. That's kingdom mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. In other words, I want you to be progressive and productive. I want you to grow and produce. When you're fruitful and you multiply, then you can have dominion or expansion of the kingdom. Why? Because this is how God's way, this is you not of the world but in the world this is why you're in the world is to expand the kingdom of god and bring people into a kingdom consciousness that god loves them that he sent them here on purpose and for a purpose kingdom expansion can never happen effectively and in perpetuity if the subjects of the kingdom are constantly looking to advance their own agenda Or whatever agenda fits the narrative of their own opinions. I'm going to say that again. That's a mouthful. Kingdom expansion can never happen effectively or in perpetuity, meaning it can't last. If the subjects of that kingdom are constantly looking to advance their own agenda. Or the agenda of the narrative that fits their own opinion. That is a lack of order. That's what you call anarchy. That's not a kingdom. We don't live in the kingdom of God. We do not live in a democracy. We do not live in anarchy. We are in a theocracy. God is king and we are his subjects. And he has given us an order to follow. The world system will tell you different. The world system will tell you you don't need God. Or you can choose whatever God The world system will tell you that you don't need an authority in your life. That you don't need a leader in your life. The world systems will tell you that you can be whoever you want to be. However you want to identify and be, you can be that. The world systems, watch out. Here's where I'll start stepping on people's toes. Will tell you that you can do whatever you put your mind to. These are lies. I'll just hit one. You cannot do whatever you put your mind to i promise you can't i've tried i've tried to do a lot of things i put my mind to do as a matter of fact i did some things last week that i put my mind to do and it hurt me real bad you cannot do whatever you put your mind to do but you can do whatever you put your mind to within the construct of the assignment of god on your life watch it now At the appropriate time. I'm going to say that again. You can do whatever you put your mind to. Within the construct. Of the assignment of God on your life. At the appropriate time. You can never even understand a truth like that. Until you're willing to follow somebody. And be up under somebody that has gone before you. That learned the truth and took the time to teach it to you. Otherwise, it's a lifetime of falling flat on your face or being over in la-la land before you realize, wait a minute, I needed to be in order somewhere. Pastor taught us last week that kingdom, kingdom, the kingdom of God operates by succession. The kingdom of God operates by succession. Succession cannot happen unless someone is positioned under, behind, or after Succession can't happen unless somebody is positioned under, behind, or after. See, culture will tell you if you're under, behind, or after, that equals you're oppressed. And so you need to get up out of that. Sometimes that might be true if you're under a cruel hand. But the reality is if you want to be in the line, in the lineage, in the succession of the kingdom of God, then you've got to find somebody. Yes, it's a somebody That you need to be under, behind, or after. Jesus didn't leave when Jesus came. He came to those last forty days. He he taught things pertaining to the kingdom, right? So the last thing he says has to be one of the most important things that he's going to say in regards to things pertaining to the kingdom. And so the last thing he leaves us with is go and make disciples, not go and make leaders. Not go and make individuals. Not go and pursue your own agenda. Not go and pursue what you think you should be doing. Go and make disciples. The question is, who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. You cannot even make a disciple until you yourself are first a disciple also. He's speaking to disciples. And telling them to make disciples. Pastor told us last week that a, dis- a disciple is a disciplined learner. Good followers are good learners. Good learners become good leaders. And good leaders are continue-, are continue to be good followers. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's get into tonight. Patterns of obedience produce confidence in the life of a believer. That was a quote from Pastor's Message on Sunday. Patterns of obedience produce confidence in the life of a believer. Patterns of obedience. For it to be a pattern, it has to be repetitive or it has to repeat. It has to be habitual. It has to continue. It has to reverberate. Obedience isn't a one-time occurrence. Obedience is a constant. It's an enduring choice that you make. That's what obedience is. For there to be obedience, for there to be obedience, there has to be a charge given. That charge comes from an authority, and then somebody under authority obeys the charge. Because obedience, obedience is an action. It's complying or following. Look it up for yourself. It's to, prof- it's to respond with action. So here's, here's where we're going to go. Following is not a seasonal endeavor. Following is a lifelong essential. Following is not a bad word. We need more followers in the body of Christ. Because followers grow. Followers build. Followers serve. It was the followers that distributed the broken the pieces of the bread and the fish to feed the 5,000. It was the followers that brought the man on and ripped open the roof and dropped him in so that he could be healed. It was the followers that did the work. Why? Because they're the hands and feet of Jesus, and it's their training ground to step into their assignment in the earth. While they're helping the man of God fulfill his assignment in the earth, they're beginning and preparing to step into their assignment in the earth. And you know what? A lot of the time, the assignment is to serve anyway. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. What he said right there is, he's the leader and I'm the follower. The greatest leader on earth ever in history, Jesus Christ, the greatest leader, the greatest example of somebody that can produce followers was Jesus. And he said himself, I only do what I see the leader doing. I follow. That's my job. Why is that essential? Why did I decide on this particular series? Because here's the truth of the matter. You're not here on accident. I'm not here on accident. We're not here by happenstance. We're not here just because something happened. I don't know how you got here, but you're not here ambiguously, and you're not here for no reason. You're here on purpose. God designed you on purpose, and he designed you with a purpose. And he sent you here in purpose. When you follow effectively, you will always be on time and in time concerning the will of God for your life. Amen. When you follow effectively, you'll always be on time and in time with regards to the will of God in your life. Amen? Amen? All right, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. This is one of my favorite uh, stories in Scripture. Um, it, God has spoken to me in many different ways, very personally. He's just spoken to me in many ways in re- with regards to this passage. It's one of my favorites. 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives... And as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives... And as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he said. Be quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked On. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it, and the water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, They're alone now. It's just the leader and the follower. Tell me. What can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me, watch this, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Powerful, right? And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire of horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment, Elisha's garment, and he tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak. That had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He's doing what he saw his leader do. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Watch Elijah's prayer. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, the God of my father, the God of my leader? When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets in Jericho were watching this. And they said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and they bowed down before him. In other words, now he was the leader. Five keys to being an effective follower. Five keys to being an effective follower. This illustration... between Elijah and Elisha is at the end of their journey together. And the reality is, if you go back and read the story of Elijah and Elisha, you're not going to see a ton of stuff about it. All we know is that he followed him for a long time. And I want to just pull five keys. These are five keys that I believe will help anybody in any space of following. Five keys to be an effective follower. Number one, I'm going to give them all to you right now, and then we'll expound. Number one is humility, humility. Number two is loyalty, loyalty. Number three is discretion, discretion. Number four is pace, pace. Number five is be ready, be ready. Let's talk about the first one, humility. We did a a long read there, and I think it was important to read that whole passage. But when you go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, you find the beginning of this story of Elijah and Elisha. At this time, Elijah was given a directive by God to go anoint three people. I won't talk about the other two, but I will talk about Elisha. So he goes and he finds Elisha. And when he finds him, you can read all this in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. You can read the whole story for yourself. When he he finds Elisha, Elisha is in a field and he's plowing with a, a, a team of oxen. There's actually 12 teams, and he's with the 12th. We all know that 12 is the number of order. It's the number of divine government, right? And he's the 12th. In other words, he's in order in his life. He's serving in this moment. He's plowing a field. The the insinuation is that this is his family's field. So he's obviously from a family that has plenty of money if they have 12 uh, teams of oxen that are plowing a field. So obviously he comes from an affluent family and he's out there plowing, which tells me that he has the heart of a servant because even though he's part of the family and he has this place he's willing to get dirty and do the work it takes to bring the 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 prosperity to the family or to keep the family business going he's not laying back and letting the people they pay do the work no he's getting his hands involved in it because he knows at some point it might be his and if it's going to be his then he needs to know the ropes so that he can be responsible for it and so he's standing behind these oxen and he's he's plowing and then all of a sudden Elijah comes out of nowhere and he runs up to Elisha and he throws his cloak or his mantle over Elisha and then he runs off and when he does it Elisha tells him look let me go back and kiss my dad and my mom goodbye and let them know I'm leaving because I found my purpose here and I need to follow you so let me go say bye and Elijah stops him he goes wait a minute make sure you understand what you're doing Make sure you understand what you're about to do. Elisha doesn't just go back and kiss his mom and dad goodbye. You know what he does? He takes his two oxen because he knows there's going to be one less worker. So not as much production's going to happen in that field. And he takes the time to take the plow, turn it into a fire, a bonfire, kills the oxen. He, he carves them up, makes them some good steaks and some tri-tip, and he feeds the entire town because he wants to make sure that nothing he did went to waste. What does this have to do with humility? Humility and a servant's heart kind of go hand in hand. I think a lot of times we think of humility as just being real pious or, or weak or down or keep your mouth shut. Humility doesn't have a whole lot to do with that. Humility has more to do with an a, 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 a internal attitude that says, I'm not in this for me. I'm not in this for me. I'm in this for whatever advances the purpose or the, or the, or the goal of what I'm a part of. That's, that, is, that is the idea of humility. I mean, I, I, we could go read the definition out of Webster's. We could try to find the Hebrew, or the Greek etymology of humility, and I, I, I don't know that that's necessary. I think it's important to understand that, that humility is more of an attitude. It's a posture that says, I don't care if, if I'm right here or, or, or I'm running the camera. I don't care what we all are necessary to broadcast the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, no no part is greater or lesser there are there are levels to submit to and and, and leadership and all that but humility says i don't care what part of that i'm in as long as i'm in the part i'm assigned to and i'm doing the best at it that's humility and i I think elisha in the beginning of his story exhibits this to to the best degree and then at the end of the verse if you read the end of the little story there where he where he follows elijah it says this it says this then he went with Elijah as his assistant king james says as his servant another translation says as his attendant so he left an affluent family a secure job a town that loved him obviously and went to follow this man because he knew it was god's intention for his life my question for you is this how wide open are your eyes to what opportunities god's placing in your lap I'm going to give you a few questions concerning humility. These may not seem like it, but I really want you to ask yourself these questions. What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to acquire? What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you pursuing? Who are you following? Who are you chasing? Are you chasing the Jones? So that you can have the house that they have, drive the car that they have? Who are you chasing? Who are you following? Are you following Kim Kardashian? Are you following every preacher on the internet? Or are you following your man of God? Why are you pursuing anything? What is your motivation for following? What is your motivation for pursuit? What is your impetus? What is driving you? See, the answers to these questions reveal to you whether you have a pure pursuit of purpose or your motivation is completely driven by ego. See, there's a big difference between ambition and aspiration. Ambition is, is following with a motive. I do this because I know what I'm going to get ambition is a, is a pursuit of fame of power of honor of wealth of accumulation they, you know ambition in certain circles can be good but but i, I I'm, I'm real careful with it because it can also be and mostly be a vain pursuit aspiration is very different they're very akin but they're different aspiration comes from the same word as inspiration or aspirate ask to aspirate means to inhale It means to inhale or to breathe in. An aspiration is a something, it's a purpose, it's a drive, it's an impetus, it's a motivation that God planted inside of you for you to go after. It's a pursuit of the Spirit. To To have an aspiration gives me this picture of Adam being formed in the garden. All he was was a stick of clay. And then God knelt down and breathed life into him. That was an aspiration being given to him... So that he can walk out the purpose of God in his life. That You're only ready for that. A, a, a humble person will, will be the one that finds an aspiration and pursues it. But you got to be real careful with people that have a lot of ambition. Because they're willing to do whatever it takes to acquire what they're trying to acquire. Right. Elisha didn't have, never said, ever, not ever did he say, I want a double portion of your spirit until it was the last moment he never did that he followed him because he was supposed to the disciples left their nets because they were supposed all right let's move on loyalty number one is humility number two is loyalty theologians believe that elisha was in his early 20s when this happened to him He was in his early 20s. We don't know how long he was with Elijah. We don't know that. All we know is that he stayed with Elijah and he served Elijah all the way until Elijah was no more. We know that because that's what the Bible tells us, correct? So we know that there was this loyal spirit that Elisha had. Three times in our text that we read earlier, Elisha says, As surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. Loyalty is a precious commodity in this generation. I'm going to say that again. Loyalty is a precious commodity in this generation. People will leave you the moment you make them mad. The moment you offend them, they're out the door. The moment there's conflict, they're gone. I was watching a little one-hour webinar this morning on these guys' Uh, from the Billy Graham Institute that did a a bunch of research on COVID-19 and its effects on the church, where the church is now versus when it all started, blah, 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 it's a lot of mumbo-jumbo, whatever. One thing I took out of it was this. There were people, listen to this, that they interviewed that left their church. They had been in their church for 37 years, some 28 years some 25 years one was with their church for 42 years do you want to know why they left and i'm not exaggerating to you because they were asked to wear a mask and they said they left because that did not represent the people of god hiding their faces now there might be some truth to hiding your faces and all that but that's taken something a little too far they left their church 42 years for that. How can you be with a church for 42 years and walk out the door because somebody asked you to wear a mask because there's a virus that's going crazy all over the United States, whether you believe it's real or not? It, it's real. I had it. Trust me. People will lose. And, and watch Elisha. Watch what he does. I'll get off that little soapbox because that makes everybody mad. So I won't talk about that no more. I promise. Okay. So watch what Elisha does. In, in our story, we know he's, he's coming from Gilgal, Right? Gilgal we know is the place of circumcision right with Joshua it's the place where they roll back a reproach that this is where you see the private parts so he's with Elijah in a place that represents he gets to see the private things of Elijah's life but he stays with him he stays with him then it then it says that they went down to Bethel so he saw Elijah in seasons where he was going down where he wasn't going up. He wasn't growing and ascending. He might have been in, in depressed seasons or dark seasons and he was going down. But he stayed with him. Then they went to Jericho, which we know is an oasis. It's, it's a place of refreshing. The palm trees and, and, the, and, the, and the water and everything. It's a place of refreshing. So even in victories, he stays with him. And he has the opportunity to stay there in Jericho. But he stays with him. Then he, got, he has to go to Jordan which is the place of transition. we all know transitions are rocky and most of the time painful and uncomfortable and they move you around. There's a lot of turbulence, a lot of up and down in transition, but he stays with them. He's right there through it all. Loyalty is tested in times of adversity. Loyalty is tested in times of adversity. Adversity comes in many forms. Adversity comes in trouble, mistakes, disagreements, disappointments. You know what? Your leaders are gonna disappoint you. You're going to disagree sometimes the question is how loyal are you you don't even know if you're submitted to a leader until you disagree with something you don't know if you're you're you don't know if you're submitted to a leader until they approach you and tell you to correct something you don't know you are in submission to a leader until they confront you and demand change of you if god if you hear from god and god told you to follow somebody Then why does their confrontation, their disappointment, your disagreement with them, the trouble they're going through, change the fact that that's the leader you're supposed to follow? It doesn't change it. Loyalty is a precious commodity in this generation. Even Jesus had to deal with this. Even Jesus had to deal with this. He's teaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and everybody's freaking out. And the disciples tell him, Master, this is really hard to understand. How can anybody accept it? Go to John 6. You can read about it. And Jesus, aware that they're complaining, he says to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man go to heaven? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are Spirit, and they are life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who had betrayed him. And then he said this, that's why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and says, are you going to leave me too? And the loud mouth, Peter, stands up and says, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You're the one that speaks abundant life into me. I need to follow you. You need somebody that speaks the words of eternal life into you well pastor that's Jesus that's not another preacher that's not another man of God that's Jesus well what do you do with Jesus going away and leaving the 12 disciples to do the same exact thing what do you do with Paul who says follow me as I follow Christ you need a man or a woman of God in your life that speaks the words of eternal life to you and you need to stick with them because God is not a man that he should lie and he sticks to his word so when you get go through trouble and adversity you need to face the fact that God is testing your loyalty humility and loyalty let's move on to discretion we'll hurry I'm already going too long discretion the company of the okay so we have humility and loyalty and and this is a big one and I'm not going to take a lot of time on this um, because we're running out of time and I really want to finish but discretion is a big one discretion is a big one Watch, watch what Elijah does Verse 3 in our text, the company of the prophets at Bethel, this happened three times, the companies at the prophets of Bethel came out to him and they say, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Watch what Elisha says, yeah, I know, shut up, none of your business. These were followers, this was the company of the prophets, these were people that also followed Elijah. These are people that were in his school of prophets. But Elisha still told him, No, you shut up. It's none your business. Get out of it. He had discretion in that moment. Pastor told a story last week about how he used to drive around Bishop Pearson and Bishop Blake. And there were times, though, when he heard them start discussing something. He might be in an office with them or whatever. And they were discussing something that was none of his business. And without being told, he would just go ahead and dip out because he knew that wasn't for his ears. There's also going to be times where you're in the presence of leaders or people, friends, relationships, family, husband, wife, parents, whatever. And you're going to hear things you can't leave, And you're going to hear things that may be good, may be bad. It's going to be stuff that's experienced in private. It is your responsibility to have discretion. That's for you. That's not for everybody else. That's not your opportunity to brag about your proximity to the leader. That's not your opportunity to say, he, he confided in me this. I know he wouldn't share that with most people, but he shared it with me. And so we need to be praying about that. No, you got that information because you were allowed it. And it's your role to keep it concealed, to keep it guarded and protected. Watch, I'm just going to read some Proverbs to you if you don't believe me. Proverbs eleven thirteen. 13. Gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Proverbs 12, 23. A gossip goes around telling secrets. He says it again. But those who are trustworthy, oh, it's the same verse, sorry. Keep a confidence. That or or Solomon decided he needed to say it twice. Or I pasted the same verse twice, one or the other. Proverbs 13, 3. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. But those who speak rashly come to ruin. Proverbs 25, 2. This one's the one I like. It is the glory of God. Wow. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. What you just saw there was a prime example of a worldly system And the kingdom system. People try to reach their throne. By stepping on other people's dirt. Instead of. But the glory belongs to the Lord. When you conceal it. That's strong. Many times throughout the gospels. Jesus tells the person he healed. Or he tells his disciples. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Discretion will guard you a lack of discretion is the fastest way to disqualify yourself as a follower humility loyalty discretion number four i'm going to be fast on this one pace pace don't get out in front of your leader elijah took his cloak rolled it up struck it with the water and they both walked over on dry ground when they crossed over elijah tell me what you want i want a double portion you've asked a difficult thing you've asked a difficult thing Watch this. If you keep pace with me, and you see me when I go, you'll receive it. If you don't keep pace with me, you won't. That goes either way. Don't ever get out in front of your leader. The only time anybody should be out in front of their leader is if their leader sent them out in front to prepare the way. That's it. It's the only reason anybody should be out. Like John the Baptist. John the Baptist went before Jesus, but as soon as Jesus arrived, he dipped out. That's a good follower right there. Amen? Amen? Amen. And don't fall too far behind. Don't don't have your your leader looking for you and pulling on you when you need to be there. A good follower is attendant. Keeping pace with your leader gives you the opportunity. Here, here, I want to give you this. I'm going to slow down. Keeping pace with your leader gives you the opportunity to see and experience everything you need to prepare you for when it's your turn. Keeping pace with your leader gives you the opportunity to see and experience everything you need to prepare you for when it's your turn. Humility, loyalty, discretion, pace. Finally, be ready, be ready. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a difficult thing. If you see me, when I'm taken from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise, it won't. As they were walking along, look at this. Even after that, they're still walking along and talking together. Who knows what Elijah is pouring into Elisha in that moment? Suddenly, a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah cried out, My father, my father. The chariots, the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more, and he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. And now watch Elisha, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready. He picks up Elijah's cloak and he said, I followed him this far, it's going to work for me too. He had confidence enough to know that if he could do, if he followed him that long and he served him that long and he's gone now, it ain't my time to be mourning his death. It ain't my time to be concerned because he's gone. It's my time to step into that role that God assigned me to. He strikes the water. The water does the same thing. He goes over. They say, Man, we see the spirit of Elijah on you, Elisha. And he says, Yeah, great. And they said, Well, let us send 50 men to go find Elijah. And he said, No, don't worry about it. And they said, No, we really need to. And Elisha was like, Fine, do it. Read on the story. And so they go, and obviously they don't find Elijah. And they come back to Elisha and say, We can't find him. He said, I told you. You shouldn't have looked for him to begin with. Why? Because he wasn't worried about what was passed on now. It was his turn. He was ready. The word ready means this. Completely prepared or in fit condition for immediate action or use. It means equipped, adjusted, arranged for a purpose. Don't allow your fellowship to be in vain. It is your responsibility to learn and grow every step of the way. As I said a few minutes ago, the experiences you see, the encounters you have along the journey of following, it's your job to to take those in and learn and grow in every moment. Elisha was ready for the mantle, but he knew he had to walk it out until it was his time. He didn't get ahead of things. He knew he had to walk it out until it was time. Listen to this. He didn't even ask for it until he was asked if he wanted it. He didn't even ask. He didn't go touting off to the preacher. You know what I can preach to? You know what I know the word to? You should give me a, you should give me a, a shot one of these one of these days. I, you know. That's not how it worked with Elisha. He didn't even ask for it till it was asked of him. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that Elisha, Elijah, in essence, releases Elisha three different times. Yeah. Yeah, he, did. he releases him. Many people say, I'm going to stay under my leader until he releases me. And at the first moment of release, they're jump-chomping. It's champing at the bit, by the way. That's the official way to say it. I read it in a, a meme the other day. And they're champing at the bit to to move on. And Elisha's so wise there. No, no, no. As long as you live, following you. The Lord is always going to live. I'll go ahead and declare that. But as long as you live, I'm following you. See, the problem with the lack of patience is three things. Compulsion, fabrication, and abandonment. Compulsion fabrication and abandonment you'll be compelled to do something and step into a role you were never ordained to be or do you'll fabricate things make you know make up some superficial thing become a fake person and have to wear a mask that eventually will break and ruin your life or you'll just abandon it altogether and walk away don't walk away from your call sometimes most times your call requires you to stay fit to stay still to stay ready Don't let your compulsions push you outside of the lines that God gave you. Success is about making progress, sure. But the the reality of success is it comes in incremental uh, gains. It doesn't happen overnight. Most success stories you see, most overnight success stories you see didn't happen overnight they didn't happen overnight you didn't see the the trouble you didn't see the failures you didn't see the mistakes you didn't see the time you didn't see the loss you didn't see the work that went into the sacrifice that went into becoming that success that they are pay the price five keys to being an effective follower five keys to be an effective follower humility loyalty discretion pace and be ready Elisha was ready for the mantle because he exhibited all those things He was never in a hurry to get somewhere. And that's what I fear, that either A, people are not willing to submit to authority and be loyal and stick it out and really advance the kingdom of God, or B, they're so excited about stepping into something that they're not even ready for. God, right now in the name of Jesus, I I just pray over your people. Help us to be part of the following. Help us to step into our God-ordained role. Who we're supposed to be, the way we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to follow, how we're supposed to follow. Help us to take on an attitude of humility that says, I don't care what my place is as long as it's my place, as long as I'm serving and doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. Help us to be more loyal, to love the people we love, and thank God. That love covers a multitude of sin, a multitude of missing the mark. I can be loyal because I love. God, help us to use discretion in all that we do. Help us to keep our mouths closed and don't chime in every opportunity that we have. God, help us to keep pace with our leader. And if our leader wants to run, we're ready to run. If our leader wants to walk slowly, we're walking slowly, but we're keeping pace. And God, let us learn from every experience so that we're ready for the moment that that mantle falls to us. I give you glory now. God, I speak to the person that has that inferiority complex and feels like they're not good enough. be anything worth anything i promise you you're not here on accident god sent you into this world by divine assignment you have a call you have an anointing the hand of god is on your life there is somebody that believes in you you need to get into the house of god get up under a pastor and allow the prophetic word of the lord to lift up your spirit and come to a revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ there's some people that have fallen flat on their face they've made some serious mistakes God I pray that you'd show them that your grace and your mercy are with them all the days of their life and that they can get up and try again God I pray for those that might have stepped out from under the cover of the leader they know they're, they're assigned to the leader they know that they are ordained to be under God let them know it's okay to get back up under that cover we give you glory and honor and praise Help Quest Church to be a collection that is called the following of Jesus Christ so that we can expand the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.